All right, live from Studio 6B on a Friday night. <laughs> Chaos in the studio here as we get um, as we get on air. Uh, wrapping up a great week. Uh, Rick Delgado's here. He's been filling in all week for Paul Nolan. That's a good-looking shirt you got uh, on there. I'll have to tell you that. Well, you know what? It was a gift from you. Yes, so it thank was. you. <laughs> yes, it was. LFS6B Army, and one I, of the better sellers. And I think this is my favorite design so yes, far. Yes, uh, that's the old uh, camouflage with the, uh, the uh, tags there. It's nice. And, of course, you can get that at 6bshirts.com. And then... Um, Unfortunately, last night we talked about Chick Corea passing away, and he may not—I mean, mean to laugh—but but Liberace is still here, <laughs> and there he is. Uh, well, now Liberace passed away too, but wow. Rick Amorati doing his his best Liberace impression here. Actually, it was a gift from Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> how would you um, how would you describe that? Yeah, what, what color is that? Oh, this is fuchsia. Okay. <laughs> With a little pink. In honor of our Valentine's weekend coming up, I wanted to, you know, dress up a little bit, get a little color going. I like to have a cameraman with you when you uh, <laughs> like do a version of cribs when, when yeah because i'd like to see the whole process of ending with yeah this this is it. This looks good right here. I, I, I'd like to see that process because man, oh man, you are a well what is that old song? Every girl's crazy about a sharp-dressed Drop man. ZZ yeah. Top. You know, and he, if he had a jug on his back, he'd look like the Kool-Aid guy. <laughs> yeah. or what did uh, what did France say? What, a box of what? Good, Good and plenty. plenty. Good and plenty. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, oh, Fran. Oh, man, you always look good, Rick. Thanks. People love it. And the girls are looking to love it. Yeah, so uh, live from Studio 6B, just getting started on a Friday night. Lots to talk about. Um well, for the grief I gave Bruce Castor getting this thing started, to be fair, I'll give as much praise today to the president's attorneys because they did a fantastic job today. And I was not, I would just, um, the gentleman who was besides um, Sean, the other, Van, Vanderkeen, is that his name? Yeah, something like that. Well, he was, man, he was fantastic. And uh, just, I mean, the Democrat House managers, I mean, you could rope them off and you could charge admission to walk by them. You absolutely <laughs> could. You could rope them off and charge admission to walk by. It's like walking, charging to see like the giraffes at the zoo, the kangaroos at the zoo. I mean, they are the strangest bunch of just, um, I don't know what the word is. I mean, this Raskin guy, I, I mean, I think I've already pegged him perfectly. But it's just uh, makes you, I don't know. Just a, just a lying little weasel. Just trying to play on your emotions, change the facts when he can, hope he gets away with it. Just that feeling of, you just know it's not on the up and up. It's right. just. Like, like you need to take a shower. Yeah, I don't like, know what. Ugh, yeah, ugh. I don't know what the word is, but it, they're just. I don't. I don't know. And Castro too. He's just it's to get that same feeling of just, you know, they're grabbing for straws and they're misrepresenting things and they're changing things and leaving things out. And you know they're doing it. I guess if you're not paying too much attention to all this, maybe you don't know they're doing it. So right. it, it seems a little more. But oh God, it just comes across to me it's just so reprehensible. All of them. And uh, the president's attorneys today did a good job of taking their, well, really just ridiculous accusations um, 
and turning it around on them. Some of the sounds, some of, I mean, some of the stuff they played, it was almost like they came to us to edit them. It's like Geo <laughs> gave it to them. I mean, they put together things that we've played on this show. Chuck Schumer out in front of the, um, the Supreme Court. Um, Kamala Harris. I, I love the fact that Raskin gets up after seeing it three times today and says, um, well, I, I, I don't know where they get the He keeps referencing the vice president as saying um, they should stay in the streets. I can't imagine that the vice president, I'll let her answer for herself. Well, it's not like it was on some obscure show. It was on Stephen Colbert for crying out loud. It wasn't like it was on a C-SPAN 3 in the middle of the night that no one saw. It was on Stephen Colbert. And she said, everybody should take notice. They're not going to stop. Not after the election, and nor should they. Yeah. And here he is today, after they played it, showed it, and then talked about it. Oh, I don't know where they get this. They keep claiming the vice president. It's like moments like that that make you just squirm like just weaselly just what do you mean you don't know you didn't hear it i mean so they they did a great job today of taking their hypocritical so overly hypocritical because they've all said worse and turning it around uh on them and I thought it was fantastic today. Yeah, especially the fact that I think uh, I think Greg Jarrett over on Fox said he he basically dismantled their 16-hour case in less than an hour, and the president's defense just wrapped. I, I think in just under four hours as well. They did the question. I have to say the questioning part is um, interesting. You get these questions. I don't know what has happened to Bill Cassidy from Louisiana. And I believe it was his question. I have to go back and look it, but I, I mean, the, the um, Leahy said the gentleman from Louisiana has a question. So not, I don't know, maybe it wasn't him. I was assuming it was him. And I mean, the question was, I mean, maybe he's switching parties. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on with him. Yeah, I didn't, get, I didn't get to see the question and answer part. The, um, the first question from Senator Lindsey Graham, Ted Cruz, Roger Marshall, and Kevin Kramer was, was, was about as good as an opening question as you could come up with, which was, does a politician raising bail for rioters encourage more rioting? And, of course, that's a reference to, again, the vice president. Yeah. Which I, don't, I didn't hear if, who answered that. I wasn't watching it at that point. I just saw this afterwards. But... I'm sure if it was Raskin, he probably doesn't know what anyone's talking about. You know, he doesn't even know the vice, who's the vice president. I mean, this guy doesn't know anything. He fits right in. He should work at the press, uh, the press briefings. But uh, the, from what I saw, the little that I watched, because like most of you, uh, you know, I've, I've got m- much more important things to do than watch the political theater all day with, these, with this nonsense. Uh, but the little that I did see as I was prepping, as we were getting closer to showtime, it really was just the end. I, heard, I saw some of the questioning where they bring up the questions and the guy reads them, then both have a chance to answer. I mean, some of the answers that the House impeachment managers on the Democratic side tried to get to, the, the woman, uh, the African-American, I don't know where she, what state she represents, where she's from, but she pulled a, 
she pulled the race card on one of these answers that was just just the lowest of low. I mean, when you got nowhere else to go, it's how you know you've won the argument. She said something in response to some question. She was, it was just, oh, I saw that it was all um, African-Americans. You, I mean, or all the videos you played was all of, I mean, it was just, come on. Just one of those moments. I'll pull up exactly what the thing was, but she, you know, she just pulled the race card out of nowhere. And of course, uh, I believe CBS, I saw someone say, you know, CBS, this is a low even for you. So I don't know <laughs> if it was one of their in-studio commentators. Well, of course, they all were MSNBC and CNN and all the in-studio were just crazy. Every time they played one of these videos and they had to sit there and watch their beloved, uh, you know, colleagues their own words used against them. It just drove them crazy. You know it did. As they're sitting there, the, the video they played of the word fight, because, you know, they're making a big, making a big deal of oh, the president yeah. saying the word fight. Right, yeah, you're not allowed to say that because that means uh, you want to promote violence. Yeah, well, they, I mean, <laughs> the, they, they played a montage of Democrats using that word, and they played one of Kamala Harris. She used it 22 times <laughs> in, the, in the speech she gave. It was about 12 minutes long. Wow. Wow. And everybody from Bernie Sanders to Elizabeth Warren to Cory Booker to Kamala Harris 22 times to Chuck Schumer. I'm sure, the, I'm sure they throw in Joe Biden, right? They had to have him. I want to I oh. take him out behind the oh, shed yeah. or of behind course. the gym. Of course. Yep. Behind the gym and behind the shed. Yeah. All of that. Um, and I said this the other day, but again, I, I keep going back to Chuck Schumer in front of the Supreme Court because the Chief Justice actually had to come out and issue a statement. That's how bad it was. Could you could you just imagine if Trump if you take out the word Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and you put any two Democrat names in there, and if the president had said that, I mean, that is so much more insightful than the president saying, I want you to patriotically and peacefully uh, make your voices heard. It's it's laughable. Right. And, and, and it was funny, too, because I was reading a little bit more about that today and how they presented, you know, of, of course, what he said within context. And he was ma- basically telling them, make your voices heard. And he was pointing out that the representatives that were voting against certifying. So they knew that you were supporting them. So it was all it was all, you know, basically, you know, use your First Amendment right, your First Amendment right to uh, to 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 assemble and, and to make your voices heard. So, I mean, if that's insightful for, for violence, I, I, I guess here we go again with Democrats, of course, changing the meanings of words to fit their definitions for when they want it to, to be used to beat us over the head if they don't agree with us. There was a pretty good piece in PJ Media, which uh, I love that site. Great stuff most of the time. Tyler O'Neill, 5 p.m., came out, said five must-watch moments from today's uh, Trump's defense And he said on Friday, former President Donald Trump's impeachment uh, lawyers made their case for the Senate to acquit the former president of incitement of insurrection. Is that the actual charge? I didn't even know there was a charge in that document that the House came up with, to be honest with you. Uh, Regarding the January 6th Capitol riot, the Democrats' case revolves around the idea that Trump incited the riot by questioning the results of the 2020 election and using the term fight like hell 
in his January 6th speech. He says, well, the Trump lawyers dismantled this argument in about five minutes, piece by piece. They exposed Democrats' hypocrisy on alleged incitement, highlighted the Democrats' extensive use of the term fight in a political context, which I just told you about, revealed how Democrats repeatedly questioned the legitimacy of the 2016 election results, and demonstrated that the Democrat impeachment managers had selectively edited Trump's January 6th remarks, which we knew by watching it. And that's what I mean. They're they're just, uh, I don't know. This weaselly is the only word I can come up with that's somewhat respectful. Yeah, and and Representative uh, Stacey um, Plaskett, I believe that's how you pronounce the word, she was the one who threw the race card out there. Um, after, After the video was shown, um, she decided to whine in and said, uh, you know, because the oh, damn thing is jumping around on me. Po- I apologize. What did she say? <laughs> Pointed out that Trump's attorney showed videos of Democrats using the word fight. Many of them were black women and people of color. I thought we were past that. I think maybe we're not, she said. Right. So she said most of the examples you used in the video, which is not even true. Was, right. I mean, that's how you know you won the argument. Yep. All right, more on this and a lot about the Lincoln Project, the capital A of A-holes. We'll get to them coming up. All right, live from Studio 6B, 17 past the hour. On a Friday night, it's been a great week. The audience is, I got so many emails to go through, I don't even know what to do. Um, Rick's going to have sports. Rick Delgado, though, has got some news right now. What's going on, pal? Well, uh, the Biden administration is coming under fire there, Damon, uh, from various various directions. This one having to do with the migrant situation, as the Biden administration is going to allow 25,000 migrants waiting in Mexico to enter the U.S. This, of course, coming from Just the News and John Solomon's JustTheNews.com. The Biden administration's Department of Homeland Security announced on Friday that starting February 19th, they will begin allowing tens of thousands of migrants from Central America who have been required to wait in Mexico to come into the U.S., for the processing, according to the DHS press release, DHS will begin processing people who had been forced to remain in Mexico under the migrant protection protocols. Approximately 25 individuals uh, in MPP continue to have these active cases. The, the remain in Mexico policy was an agreement reached between the Trump administration and the Mexican government in response to the 2019 surge of people attempting to cross the border into the U.S. The purpose and effect of the policy was to disincentivize people from traveling to the border with hopes of illegally crossing into the United States. Uh, The DHS also issued a caution that the move should not be interpreted as an opening for people to migrate irregularly to the United States, but the new policy does not apply to asylum seekers who had been returned to Mexico without active court dates or the more than 75,000 people who were caught in January coming into the country illegally. So how's how are we going here in the first couple of weeks? Everybody excited about gas prices way up, borders are open. Um, Still got to pay. You have an administration that won't even acknowledge in the press room today that in, that Israel is an ally. We don't even know if he's they haven't. Benjamin Netanyahu hasn't even spoken to President Biden yet. 
she can't even answer if they're an ally. Oh, well, we have uh, we have specific uh, internal um, uh, uh, scenarios uh, uh. that we need to play through. Really? You can't say Israel's an ally? Oh, yes, we're going to. No, can't. No. No. We're a, we're a far way away from where we are three months ago. It's amazing. It is. All right, what else in the news, Rick? Uh, I was just going to say, finishing up on that story, as, as President Biden made clear, the U.S. government is committed to rebuilding an orderly and humane immigration service, the Homeland Security Secretary said. And this latest action is another step to help reform the policies that do not align with our nation's values. But meanwhile, there's a pandemic going on. But don't let that slow you down. Just keep coming across the border. Um, well, what what is our what are our nation's value? What does that mean? Our nation's values. We let a million, a million and a half people in this country every year. We just would like them to try to do it legally and have some sense of uh, assimilation into the country. So when they when people say that, well, what do they mean by that exactly? We're, this is the most beneficent, welcoming country in the world and people from all over the world quote unquote vote with their feet to come here as difficult as it can be but um i've said this a lot the biden administration and the democrat this democratic party's goal is to blur the line between citizen and non-citizen the 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 non-citizen is is somehow more virtuous than the citizen and it's um i don't know well you know you know what it is it's eye-opening especially because you know back before trump became president the line was blurred but you really didn't see it that much people didn't really notice it as much until it was pointed out to them and i think this last four years again you know i I give it to trump for going in and changing the culture and making it so you can see now the obvious difference of, yes, we're letting people in. We're being nice about it, but you got to go through a specific process. We're not just going to let you run, run through crazy like with the door wide open. It's not going to work that way. That's not how you have a secure, you know, that's not how you secure your home. That's not how you should be securing your country. So I think this, if anything, has woken more people up to going, you know, like you said, scratching your head going, what the heck is going on here? You know, they, they are putting us last. It's the America last policy. And, and speaking of which, a poll taken by Just the News uh, says majority of voters believe Biden's border policy will either do nothing or make the U.S. less safe. Yeah, that coming in, uh, that was printed out today. A majority of U.S. voters think the Biden administration's policies will make the country less safe, according to the new Just a Daily, Daily uh, Just a News Daily poll with Scott Rasmussen. Fifty-eight percent of the respondents agreed that the country will either be less safe or about the same under Biden's immigration and border rules. Just twenty-eight agreed that the country would be more safe. Biden on the campaign trail presented his immigration policies as marked departures from those of President Trump, promising a more compassionate border package uh, in contrast to Trump's tough on illegal immigration stance. The survey of 1,200 registered voters was conducted uh, between February 4th and February 6th. I'm sure it's going to change now once they see that, uh, you know, they're letting them in. They're going to let even more in starting next week. And, you know, during a pandemic, you know, eh, don't worry about don't worry about them. 
Let's not worry about if they've been checked, if they've been tested. Uh, but no, 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 you got to stay home. Put your, put your two masks on and shut up. So that's what's going on with uh, immigration. All right, what else is going on in the news? <laughs> well, uh, it turns out that according to and another story from Just the News. What? No, no, I, I just don't have these pauses between stories. I don't know what you're doing. That's, that's well, it's fine. I, I, I'm, just I'm me. working with the computer. So, anyhow, getting back to it. Um, in terms of oh, the story, see, I, I'm sorry about this. This is my fault. All right, let's, Governor Cuomo. Let's do we have Governor Cuomo? Rick, do you have a story on Governor yes. Cuomo or not? Yes, I do. Okay, so what's Governor Cuomo? He's, he's, he's hot get, water. He's getting blasted for his promoting of a tone-deaf video in an attempt to convince black people to take the COVID vaccine. In a stunning display of mindless pandering, Governor Cuomo promoted a video designed to persuade black Americans to get vaccinated. The black community has been suspicious of the injection despite uh, the impact of the pandemic. He posted a tweet with a video created by a group called Hip Hop Health, which features hip-hop music icon Daryl DMC McDaniels, who was a member of Run DMC back in the 80s. And the music video shows McDaniel rapping intended to educate black folks on how vaccines work and why they should not be hesitant to get inoculated against the coronavirus. Of course, people have uh, been chiming in saying, no, uh, you know, is this for children? Am I, am I not a vaxxer? vaccine person but why does the government want us to do something uh and people have to rap sing and dance what is the name of the marketing company that came up with this that was uh, one person's response on twitter another one said that they said no more debate just trust but that's because this time in u.s history when the government and medical science hasn't done enough damage to black people um this is also saying from another person on twitter this is disrespectful. Are y'all making a country or a pop version for white people? So again, Governor Cuomo sticking his, uh, his neck into it and uh, getting criticism, again, having to do with COVID-19. This, this away from the, uh, of course, the truly disastrous policies he's had before. Well, I mean, yeah, the story I thought we were doing on Cuomo was the current story of, of him hiding the numbers. This happened today? Yeah. He put out this uh, promo video. And people are also wondering, Nicholas Kaplan of New York is wondering if he's going to put out a video to promo for the Asian community and the Hasidic community. And then maybe he'll see how disrespectful it is. So he's catching a lot of heat now from this. Studio 6B, 30 minutes past the hour on a Friday night. 
Let's do Crazy Town, G. I don't think we got to the one yesterday and some of the cuts we have in the briefing room. I want to spend some time on the, um, well, it's happy birthday to um, President Lincoln and it's adios to the uh, Lincoln Project. And that's the end of that. And we'll get into this in detail because it's four of the, um, really more, but I the, the key four. I'm sure Nicole Wallace tonight on MSNBC will be probably crying online because Steve Schmidt. Four of the most repulsive people you've ever seen in your life ever make up the Lincoln Project. And, oh, wow, couldn't happen to a nicer group of guys. What's unraveling now about them? And if the Department of Justice or someone doesn't look into all the money they've raised, and I saw this and I want to get to it before I lose it, and then we'll get to crazy town. Megan McCain tweeted this today, about 17 minutes ago. I've been very hesitant to comment, but since my deceased father keeps getting invoked, I will say this. John Weaver and Steve Schmidt were so despised by my dad, he made it a point to tell me before he died to ban them from his funeral. Since 2008, no McCain would have spit on them if they were on fire. (laughs) That from Megan McCain about uh, John Weaver and um, MSNBC favorite, Nicole Wallace's favorite, Steve Schmidt, who has said the most vile things about the former president that you could imagine every night yucking it up there with Nicole Wallace. So we'll get to them, but let's get to crazy town. Jen Saki, Jen P. Saki, P is silent is, uh, was in the briefing room as she always is. And I haven't seen this yet, but let's see how it went today. Roll it G. Okay. Happy Friday. Um, and, um, we are, um, three weeks in. I realize at a certain point I can't say that anymore, but we are still just three and a half weeks in. Uh, it is just a reflection of the fact that we have been here for three and a half weeks. He's not called every single global leader yet. Um, we're, we've only been here three and a half weeks. Uh, and I, uh, I don't have more of a readout of the, of the, of the engagement. Um, uh, uh, and uh, I have not seen them or reviewed the test, the, the guidelines that will be released. I think there's a briefing from the CDC uh, a little bit later this afternoon. Uh, so that's an excellent question, and I certainly encourage you to ask it. Uh, I'm eager to learn more about them as well. Uh, what the president's focused on uh, and what he's very mindful of, having raised uh, many children, many, that makes it sound like he has 10, uh, several <laughs> children himself. Um, we'll, we'll cut, we're, we're not in a rush here, so go ahead, go ahead reason that you know the White House's goal for schools doesn't include high schools uh, I would defer I would ask I would suggest you ask the CDC about whether there are differences uh, between the schools I'm sure that's <laughs> a question that might come up but we'll see uh, and hopefully Call you'll get a question principles. if that's the one you want to ask uh, he was watching the trial, uh, bits of it, I should say, like everyone else. Not a, not not much because we keep him busy, but uh, they can uh, take uh, the role. Uh, they have, uh, they can uh, take respon- their responsibility seriously. They are all jurors uh, there. Um, 
Well, uh, they, as we've said, we want to be uh, led by health and medical experts. Uh, as of this morning, uh, no one on our senior staff call had seen the CDC guidelines. Uh, they are those, those, they are theirs to <laughs> determine yeah. and to release. Uh, we are, right. uh, have our eyes wide open about the challenge of addressing that and ensuring that uh, as we get to the point of we're focused on, I and mean, we are focused now on reaching these communities, but uh, it, I, I have not reviewed any of it. As I noted, this is, I'm learning it. As we as we talk here, um, but uh, I don't have an update. I, I he uh, I don't have additional details on that. Uh, well, uh, I have not reviewed them yet, nor has our team. So let give us a moment to do that. We haven't re reviewed them yet, so it's hard for me to do this in a piecemeal way. But uh, I will get to everybody. But why don't you go here in the front so I just don't lose track? Sure. Go ahead. The president's been especially quiet on Iran since taking office. Uh, time is running up. He answered a question last Sunday about it. Well, yeah, it's been was, a long week. Well, that was one question, one short answer. But well, uh, heal a divided nation, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the, um, I'm not making fun of you. I think we're, we're all, it's a Friday afternoon. Wow. Um, uh, there was a report, um, I think it was overnight or this morning about, um, I think if it was wasted masks, um, uh, now I'm kind of speaking out of turn here. I'll, what I'm trying to say is, um, but uh, I can speak with our team if there's um, something more significant than that. You know, uh, I don't have any calls to predict for you or read out. These are all excellent questions. I'll see if there's more we can get from our national security team on planned future calls, which I know there's a great deal of interest in. I'm going to let Dr. Fauci and others speak to a timeline. Quack, quack. Um, let me work to get you a more specific reaction from our team. Thanks so much, everyone. <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> Here's my question. What the hell does she do all day? Uh, uh, she knows nothing. Uh, uh, <laughs> she knows nothing. She can answer nothing. She has no idea who to go to for the answers. She's always pointing somebody in another direction. What does she do all day? She works that for we Joe can Biden. Get, <laughs> we can get three minutes and 14 seconds out of her every day. Saying, uh, I don't know. I'll have to ask. I'll get a better answer. I'll get back to you. Circle back, circle down, circle up, circle left, circle right. What does she do all day that she doesn't pick up information? It's the same. Three weeks only. Three and a half, four, six. It's, it's only been 52 weeks. <laughs> it's only been 100 weeks. I know I have to stop saying that, but I'll keep saying it. Oh, that is just. It's just unbelievable. It gets, it just, it just doesn't get any better, right, G? It just, it just, it's not getting better. Like um, yeah, I would say today was worse than yesterday, which we didn't get to play, but yesterday was pretty bad too. All right, here's yesterday's crazy town. <laughs> Jen B. Saki, the P is silent in the uh, briefing room. Roll it. the question i'm not did you ask the question okay there you go so the question that's what i thought uh and i think what his he was reflecting on was uh that um you know it was just a, a reminder of uh of what an unprecedented assault as he said on january 6 uh this was on our democracy uh and uh, uh about uh, uh but he also um, knows there's a role for his, uh, congress to play um but i don't have any update on uh the next steps um on those reports on that reported discussion and uh, that in order to uh, and so uh, it's a reflection of our strategy which is that uh, we are going to uh, get our house in order in order to come into that competition from a stronger footing the strongest footing possible I should say 
Uh, I don't have any calls to read out. I'm happy to take the question and see if there's any updates on it. We're only three weeks in. He's taking pretty quick action. Uh, uh, so, uh, um, and, uh, um, but uh, it, once we have a conclusion, I'm sure we will uh, reveal the specifics to all of you. Uh, how much does the president want to spend on an infrastructure package? How much? How much? Uh, wait, wait until we're, it's, a, it's a process of ongoing discussion, obviously part of our Build Back Better agenda. That, uh, I, I would have to ask, right, I would defer you to the Department of Education. I'm also happy to check and see if that's data uh, that we have access to. Um, I'm happy to check with our uh, team on that if there's any change as it relates to, uh, I, I, uh, but I can check for you or connect you directly with the right people over there to give you more of an overview of that. Uh, but uh, we are not currently um, in the process of uh, um, no decisions have been made around additional public health measures that would delay uh, or would change, I should say, uh, domestic travel uh, considerations. Well, um, let me reiterate what, I, what I've done in here. I know every, different people are in here different days, so I, I'm certainly happy to do it uh, again. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't think I have other specific examples for you other than to, to suggest you talk to the Department of Homeland Security. I'm sure they could provide more for you if those are available. Uh, but again, I think um, it's important for us to convey that the majority, this is not the time to come. And that uh, uh, I don't have any personal announcements or specifics of the determinations uh, of the, the, I should say, the factors uh, that are playing into those decisions. but. I don't know. I don't have an update. It remains what um, we discussed last week or the week before. Two weeks. Two weeks. Okay, two weeks ago. Yeah, it's the same position. <laughs> Whatever. In the three weeks we've been here, I'm sure we discussed it. Yeah, I mean that's that's just as bad. G, you're right. That's just as bad, if not worse. I mean, she knows. I I I don't know. Be interesting to go back to the early days. Maybe we're giving her too. Maybe we're giving her too much grief. Maybe they're all like this. I don't think so. I don't think so. No, especially Kaylee McEnany. She stepped into the role and was basically running at full speed while everybody else was still sitting down trying to figure out what question they wanted to ask. I mean, man, that's just rough. How can you be the press secretary and not know anything? How many times did she say, "You have to"? oh, I'll refer you to her? How do you not know anything? Now, to be serious about, about this, be, I mean, not that that's not serious, that she's clueless, or it seems to be. Here's the question she got today about the president and talking about Israel and the plan on the Abraham Accords and if, why the president hasn't spoken to Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and discussing Israel as an ally. Now listen to the question and listen to her robotic non-answer. Roll that. Okay, uh, separate uh, issue. Is any update on whether the president has called or plans to call uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu? Uh, I don't have an update. I, I, he is looking forward to speaking with Prime Minister Netanyahu. I can assure you that will be soon, but I don't have a specific time or deadline or time or date for when that will occur. You know, there's a narrative in, in Israel that this is an intentional diss. Is it? 
It, it is not an intentional diss. Uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu is someone the president has known for some time. Obviously, we have uh, a long and important relationship with Israel, uh, and uh, the president has known him uh, and has been working on a range of issues that there's a mutual uh, commitment to for some time. Uh, it is just a reflection of the fact that we have been here for three and a half weeks. He's not called every single global leader yet, uh, and he is eager to do that in the he weeks ahead. called every other major ally in Europe and, and in Asia. Uh, he's called many of them. Uh, that is true. Uh, some, some would argue they haven't received calls yet and that they are still eager to receive them. But uh, I can assure you he will be speaking with the prime minister soon and he's looking forward to doing that. Go ahead. Just to follow up on Anne, are you talking about days or weeks as the time frame of uh, the president speaking with Netanyahu? I don't, I don't have an exact uh, timeline to give you, uh, other than uh, he's looking forward to having the conversation. They've known each other for some time. Uh, there are certainly areas of mutual interest. Um, and uh, as soon as he makes that call, we will let you all know. Can you give us further details about the conversation that National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan had with his Israeli counterpart, I believe, to discuss Iran yesterday? Uh, I don't have additional details on that. I'm happy to talk to Jake and see if there's more we can read out for all of you. Yeah, that'd be really great. And, and still on the issue of the Middle East, I mean, I know that you're saying that, you know, things are still under review, including policies like the Abraham, Abraham Accords. But can you please just give a, a, a broad sense of what the administration is trying to achieve in the Middle East? For example, does the administration still consider the, the Saudis and the Israelis important allies? Uh, well, uh, you know, again, I think we uh, there are ongoing processes and internal interagency processes, one that we, I think, confirmed in interagency meeting just last week to discuss a range of issues uh, in the Middle East. Um, we're, we've only been here three and a half weeks, uh, and I think I'm going to let those policy processes see themselves through before we give kind of a complete lay down of what our national security approaches will be to a range of issues. <laughs> well, she just gave it to you. And by the way, she used the word lay down. That's what he's going to do. He's going to lay down to all the enemies. The, the, simple, the simple answer is yes. Is Israel a strong ally? The answer is yes. Next. All right, 13 to the hour. Sounds like a little country music. On a Friday night, Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Time to do some sports. And the man in the fuchsia, right? Fuchsia. Absolutely. Is here to do it. Rick Amorati, what's going on, pal? You may recognize this as part of the Super Bowl. That gentleman had a very similar type of uh, <laughs> outfit on that uh, had this color in it. He showed uh, a little more skin than, you're, than you are doing, though. Uh, yes, indeed, Big D. Okay, so let's talk about the PGA. AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, round two today, Big D, at the uh, Spyglass Hill Golf Course, Monterey Peninsula Country Club. Pebble Beach, California. The day two leader was Jordan Spieth. He shot a 67 for a two-day 12 under par. And Daniel Berger is just one stroke behind. And again, that's day two. The rest of that will take place this weekend on Saturday and Sunday. Well, who was the guy who shot, you said, 10 under yesterday? Yeah, that was uh, uh, Cantlay. Cantlay had a good day yesterday. Yeah, he's what? in fourth now. Oh, so he did not have a good day today. No, he shot like over 70. Uh, yeah. yeah, he didn't have okay. a good day. So they, Spieth's in the lead now. Uh, yeah, Spieth's in the lead, and uh, Cantlay fell back to fourth. He had a, he had a rough day on, on, on the links today. Okay, well, Spieth, uh, Spieth needs something to happen good because he has been in a perpetual uh, 
funk yeah. since the, the since the mas- since the masters yep. since he blew that masters two years ago. Feel you like know, and, he's been and, in a funk since then. And it's early, Big D. And on most of my reports, the day one or day two leaders ultimately end up fading into the weekend. And on Sunday, when I come back Monday, we have a completely different winner, and that person falls fourth to fifth. So nobody seems to be holding it through four rounds, you know, that first place lead. Very tough yeah. to hold. Okay. Uh, Dixie National Rodeo, Friday night at the rodeo, Big D. Jackson, Mississippi, Mississippi Coliseum. We're still in round one, which continues on the board. Saddle Bronc, Cody DeMoss on freaking fabulous. Leads with an 84 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> that could be describing your outfit tonight. <laughs> there you go. Freaking fuchsia. Yeah. Um, and uh, Saddle Bronc, Cody DeMoss, uh, the, uh, again, I'm freaking uh, fabulous. I'm going back over that. You threw me on that <laughs> just, one. Bull riding. Ty Hamilton takes the long way home on Supertramp yeah. with a score of 90. That used to be a music group, right? Yeah, Supertramp, 70s. Had the song, The Long Way Home. Uh, take The Long Way Home. Bareback, uh, Tana Oss on Famous Dexon uh, and 88. And Team Roping, Colma Proctor and Logan Medlin had a four and a half. And last but not least, don't forget the ladies, Barrel Racing, Randy Prindle, 13.89 seconds. Uh, just one NCAA game that'll tip off at 9 o'clock. Illinois, the S is silent, at Nebraska at 9 o'clock. And <laughs> <laughs> NHL, you know, somebody Finally. actually got on my back because I kept saying, Illinois, and they got Illinois with me and said, would you get it right? And I, I got it right. Slick Rick's okay. got it now. All right. <laughs> NHL action at the Garden. <laughs> Bruins right now over the Rangers, one nothing. end of the second period. Let's go to the hardwood. NBA scores. Right now you got the Knicks. Knicks are playing good. Winning 68-62 to 62 over the Wizards. Right now, Julius Randle leads all scorers with 15-4 the Knicks. Timberwolves and Hornets 75-74. That's in the third. Spurs lead the Hawks all up say the Knicks are playing good? Yeah, Knicks are playing okay. Yeah, Where are they okay. in the standings? I'm going to pull it up. Well, they're inside I, the top eight, Big D. They, they got a shot at the playoffs. I think they're 11 and 14 right now. And they just traded for and got uh, Derrick Rose. So okay, hopefully are, he helps. They're not in the top eight. Are they not? No. Your 76ers are in first place. Yeah, they lost a tough one last night. The Bucks, the Nets, the Celtics, the Pacers, the Raptors, the Hornets, the Hawks are the top eight. They're not even in the ninth spot. That would be the Heat. Right now, they're in the tenth spot. How many games the are they out? Because they were they were they were in the top eight just. A couple they days are ago. eleven and fifteen. They are seven games out of the out of first, and one game out of possibly being in the race. Okay, so they're right. Yeah, there. That's not bad. They're right there. Because uh, I know just a couple days ago I checked and they were in the top eight. Um, so right now the Spurs uh, are, are up. DeRosa has 22 and uh, they're, they're all over them. So 77-48. Uh, Pelicans right now trail the Mavericks 69-65. Clippers over the Bulls 36-32. And Celtics lead the Pistons 30-28. to And I'm happy to report in the West if the season ended today, the Dallas Mavericks would be in 11th. Good. So let's hope that continues. We'll put them in the Rory McIlroy category here. I'm with you on that one, Big D. Okay. Yahoo Sports, J.J. Watt announces Texans will grant his release. Cassandra Negley-Rider, who wrote, writes for Yahoo Sports, said J.J. Watt has asked the Houston Texans for his release and said the sides have mutually agreed yeah. to part ways. The star defensive end made the announcement himself in a video on his Twitter page. Watt, a five-time Pro Bowl selection and cornerstone of the franchise, is still seeking a Super Bowl title as the Texans find themselves embroiled in offseason controversy. Quarterback Deshaun Watson is trying to work his way out of town as well. 
Watt yep. 31 released news himself rather than do it in a news conference. He sat down with the uh, McNair family, uh, which owns the Texas franchise, and they have mutually agreed to part ways at this time. Watt sent love and appreciation to the city. Fans, he has been great to that city of Houston. That's going to sure be has. a big loss, what he's done for them. And uh, anyway, time for him to move on. He's a phenomenal player, first ballot Hall of Famer. Hopefully he'll get to find his team. I mean, you can't blame him. I mean, the, the team's in total disarray from the top to the bottom. They've had the worst coaching. They've made the worst moves. They have one of the more talented quarterbacks we've ever seen. They're doing nothing with him. He's 10 years or so into his career. The guy wants to win, and it's not because he doesn't – you know, he's not performing or the people around – it's just mismanagement, yeah. miscoaching. And all, it gets a point where you say, enough of this. Yeah. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And we're, I'm getting nothing. I'm getting nothing here. Yeah, so I don't blame him. Good for him for taking it on the way he did, and good for the owner for not giving you know playing hardball with him, which obviously he could have, I guess. Yeah. So where does he end up? I don't know. He's going to be the hottest commodity in free agency. <laughs> Tampa. <laughs> I mean, oh come on. gosh, they have, They must have. You know, Tom Brady will probably take a pay cut just to bring the guy in. He'll probably rework his contract. He probably you know, Brady's will. not in it for the money. No, his, he's not. Not with his wife making three hundred million a year. That's <laughs> worth exactly right. Um, and uh, it, one more big D. It's the great American race, one of sports' biggest stages, where traditions are handed down from generation to generation, where a victory is career-defining. NASCAR season kicks off Sunday with the 63rd annual Daytona 500. In where else? Spring Break City, Daytona, Florida. 2.30 p.m., the, t- the flag takes, and the NASCAR's Cup Series will be off to the races. It'll be televised on Fox. You can rewatch it again at 10 p.m. Um, on FS1. And um, Dale Earnhardt's death at the Daytona 500, the legacy of the Intimidator, Ryan McGee, senior ESPN writer, reports the 2021 Daytona 500 this Sunday and February 18th marks the 20th anniversary of the day NASCAR's biggest star was killed in the final turn of the final lap of the race he loved more than any other. I just wanted to recognize him. It is 20 years. I cannot even believe that 20 years has gone by. And it was said, explaining Dale, that's like trying to explain John Wayne or Neil Armstrong or other heroes from that era that you can no longer experience, former NASCAR president Mike Helton said. And, um, you know, in that number three car, just miss him so much, and I uh, just wanted to recognize him. I know we got a lot of NASCAR fans, and uh, yeah, 20 years, where did that go? There's a whole generation of young people that only know his son, Junior, who's another great racer in his own right, but uh, yeah. I think so. the number eight car he drove, right? Yeah, yep. and Junior just just uh, retired, so that kind of yeah. puts that into perspective of how, you know, it's a whole generation that missed it. Yep, so big weekend, and that's a wrap in sports, big D. Yeah. All right, good, Rick, very nice. Um well, speaking of Florida, you had this. We don't have a lot of time, but yeah. the story of uh, travel to Florida with yeah. Biden, ridiculous. As vaccinations in the state continue, Governor Ron DeSantis rebuffed domestic travel restrictions to or from Florida that the Biden administration is considering because of concerns that the COVID variants are threatening to exacerbate the pandemic. The governor said, I think it would be unconstitutional. I think it would be unwise and it would be unjust. He said Thursday during a news briefing in Port Charlotte, any attempt to restrict or lock down Florida would be an attack on our state done particularly for political purposes. We will not back down. If anyone tries to target us, we will respond swiftly. The governor said a little different when you're not in the cheap seats huh, Joe uh, screaming at the president, calling him, uh, calling him, uh, um, xenophobic and every other thing when he shut down travel from China. And here's Joe wants to shut down travel to Florida. Yeah. Think about that. 
All right, Hour 2, live from Studio 6B on a Friday. Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Of course, online, americasvoice.news. Download the America's Voice app, free in the App Store, iOS, Android. To watch the show live on the app, see all the old shows around there. All the shows, of course. The fantastic lineup that's on Real America's Voice all day long. You can watch any of the shows. Um, and now if you go to the website, you can chat there too, live during the shows all day long. So getting it fired up. Um, all right, so lots to cover in our, uh, hour two. I didn't do any Lincoln project yet. And uh, so we'll get into some of that. Um, remember when Joe Biden said if he heard anybody, maybe stood up in front of all the screens, got everybody who's going to work there and said, um, if I catch any of you talking down or doing anything that I don't agree that we would, that I wouldn't do. Well, I'll fire you on the spot. Remember that? <laughs> I remember I that. that. He didn't say it that clearly. He, he was uh, firing you on the spot. One of those. Uh, well, again, the, the view's always easy from the cheap seats when you're not the one having to make the call, and it's not, it's not your, um, your deal. Now it's his deal, and here we go. His first little... Not even little, by the way. It's a significant story. Well, no, 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 no firing on the spot. No firing on the spot. So we'll get to that story as well. But right now, it's time for one of my new favorite segments here on the show. It's not new anymore, but I keep saying that. <laughs> but it still is one of my favorite segments on the show, and that is Rick Delgado with What Even Is That? All right, Dame. Well, thank you. And, uh, you know, in just a couple days, it will be Valentine's Day. And, of course, I'm looking at Rick Amorati's tie and, and just get caught up in that moment. Look at those hearts on that thing. Yeah. And just when you thought that the Democrats had, you know, lost that love and feeling from the volatile <laughs> love affair with President Trump, well, crazy Nancy and the Democrats have decided, like oh. most psycho ex-lovers do, <laughs> that, well, if we can't have you, nobody can yeah. Uh, that is what we are enduring during the second impeachment trial of President Donald J. Trump. And the J stands for just leave me alone already, you nutty old broad. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically a lifetime movie about a scorned lover. But this one is on steroids, has loose dentures, and she's got a knife. <laughs> Seriously, what even is that? Yeah. It, it's almost like what they say about relationships. If it didn't end badly, then it wouldn't end at all. And this is one of the points that the Democrats seem determined to drive home. They're basically, you know, the psycho ex Stacy from Wayne's World. You remember her, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. To our Wayne. Poor Wayne. It's just, the thing is, she's just not as hot, you know, as those, as those, some of those Dems. Sure, we had a good four years, you know, baby, we had some fun times. It was a good time. Trump and the Democrats, they did a few things together, had a few laughs, and then things looked promising at first, right? But then the honeymoon had to end. <laughs> and it ended quicker than you can get a rabbit into a boil of hot water. Oh. Of course, we saw this one coming, yet some said, no, don't worry about it. They'll be fine. But just as the relationship did start to sour, we came to the realization that the denial is more than just a river in Egypt. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes you have to let go of what you love. And if it comes back, it's yours. But if it doesn't, it never was. And is it possible I can make more comments about myself to sound like some stupid 1950s parent giving some crappy love advice to their child? I submit that I cannot. But 
maybe a visit to Dr. Rick could be in my future. Who knows? But back to the uh, back to the breakup. As I said, this love-hate relationship was bound to end badly. I mean, think about it. Nancy has her friends cackling in her ear, bad-mouthing him, right? Sure, at first he was all new and dreamy, <laughs> but also quite the bad boy. Yeah. Oh, the perfect mix. They thought they could mold him into one of them. She and the Democrats proclaimed, you're perfect, I love you, now change. And like the great Neil Diamond reminded us, love on the rocks ain't no big surprise. You work in D.C. and you peddle your lies. Of course, the relationship got worse and limped along in the last uh, few years. It, it started spending, he started spending more time out of town, living, living a separate life from you. That's when Nancy and her friends freaked out. It's like he met someone else. Who was this new love interest, they thought? How could his heart be led astray? It's easy when you think about it. That love interest was the American people. You know, the one who was there all along. Sure, seemingly not some sexy DC dalliance, but one that never (laughs) tried to change you into something that you weren't. Yeah. First came impeachment number one. Maybe we consider that a little couples therapy, right? Sure. But that didn't work out. No. And guess what, Don? Time for impeachment number two. (laughs) Why? Because she will not be ignored. Like I said, we've all always known this relationship wasn't going to work out. And we just spent the last two days listening to Nancy and her friends droning on and moaning and complaining and and lying, basically reminding us of why he left. Oh, God. And what's really making them crazy is he hasn't said anything. He just picked up and left. Yeah. Like the coyote gnawing on his own leg to escape a fate worse than death. <laughs> Being around you any longer. So he packed up, yeah. moved halfway across the country. He just left. And he hasn't even called to see what you're doing and how you're doing. What a monster. <laughs> Look at that. Of course, naturally, this leads yeah. to stalking. And she has the pictures to prove it. Just look at him, she cries. He's out there golfing again with his friends. How dare he? It's like he doesn't even care about us. This type of behavior, of course, sends her over the edge. Yes. (laughs) Because guess what, Don? Yes, she will not be ignored. It's time for revenge. And that's what the second impeachment is. It's the equivalent of Nancy calling the cops to get a restraining order, even though she's the one who's the abuser. Yeah, Yeah, so as the second impeachment starts to draw to a close and the heart-sick liberal wackos and their left uh, leaning are, are left wondering... How their hearts will go on. (laughs) Meanwhile, our hero, well, he flies off a bit beaten up, but stronger and wiser from what he's learned from, well, sleeping with the enemy. (laughs) (laughs) So happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Yeah, right. right. (laughs) Man, I'll tell you, if she's not fatal attraction, I don't know who it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I couldn't figure out how to put her face on, uh, on, uh, Glenn Close, but... Uh, yeah, you know. well. <laughs> uh, very good, Rick. Very All right, live from Studio 6B, seven uh, minutes past the hour. So, the story broke today from the White House about T.J. Ducklow. And if you... Oh, who's that? Well, the name should sound familiar to you because T.J. Ducklow is the... Um, was brought Biden's campaign's, like, national press secretary at the time they were running, and he went on... Brett Baer, if you remember, and Brett Baer asked him 
well, asked him real questions, which was about the first time he had ever been asked real questions. One of them being, has Joe Biden ever used a teleprompter? <laughs> which, thinking, <laughs> which thinking back on it now is laughable that TJ Ducklow even tried to, well, no pun intended, duck the question and say, come on, Brett, I'm not ta- we're not going there. We're not talking about this. And <laughs> about two weeks later, we saw the, uh, Biden on with James Corden when he picked up that big picture and lifted it right in front of his own kid. We could see in the reflection of the picture that he had the teleprompter there. So I can remember thinking at the time, man, I can't believe this guy's his national press secretary. Looks like he's about 18 years old, and he can't answer anything. I mean, Brett Baer just made him look silly. Just avoided every question. And, we, and at the time, we were saying, well, that's what happens when you get, you know, you get asked real questions for once. For once. Well, T.J. Ducklow is the, in the, at the center of what is, I guess you could call it sexual harassment. I don't know what else you could say to it. So there's an article, uh, Biden aide allegedly threatened to destroy reporter if she reported on him. Biden team reaction says it all. Okay, so I guess it's not sexual in nature. I guess it was just threatening. Uh, In the tradition of Democratic uh, completely empty symbolism, Jill Biden put her, Jill, Dr. Jill Biden, the first lady, put out hearts on the White House lawn with words like love and unity. Uh, But methinks the unity offensive is trying to detract from a story that shows the Biden folks failed the unity test and are far from loving. According to Vanity Fair this morning, Biden White House communications aide T.J. Ducklow threatened to destroy Politico's Tara Palmieri for reporting on his relationship with an Axios reporter, um, Alex McCammond, who covered the Biden campaign (laughs) in obvious conflict. This is wild, she says. The confrontation began on Inauguration Day, January 20th, after Palmieri a co-author of Politico's playbook, contacted McCammond for comment while one of her male colleagues left a message for Ducklow, according to sources. Ducklow subsequently called the playbook editor to object to the story, but was told to call the playbook reporters with his concerns. But instead of calling the male reporter who initially had contacted him, Ducklow tried to intimidate Paul Mary. Um, by phone in an effort to kill the story. Quote, I will destroy you, Ducklow told her, according to sources, adding that he would ruin her reputation if she published it. During the -the off-the-record call, Ducklow made derogatory and misogynistic comments, accusing Palmieri of only reporting on his relationship, which, due to the ethics questions that factor into the relationship between a journalist and a White House official falls under the purview of her reporting beat because she was quote-unquote jealous that an unidentified man in the past had wanted to, um, well, get with her. Let's put it that way. (laughs) That's a nice way of putting it. McCammond and not you. Ducklow also accused Palmieri of being jealous of his relationship with McCammond. Um, So then, so basically... This guy gets caught threatening. Molly Hemingway tweeted, Biden camp has now confirmed TJ Ducklow's sexual harassment and abuse of a reporter 
inquiring into a personal story. While Biden claimed he would fire anyone on the spot who was disrespectful, well, guess what? T.J. Ducklow, as of tonight, has a one-week suspension without pay. One-week suspension without pay. So he got vacation. And I ask you the same thing I ask in any of these situations. If this were um, somebody in the Trump administration, I don't, can't think of any males right now who are on the, uh, in the press. Well, well, look at it this way. When, uh, what do you call it? Um, Eric um, started, or is it Don Jr. started dating um, the Kimberly girl from Kimberly Guilfoyle? Yeah. Well, but he wasn't, I mean, he's, wasn't technically working at the White House. I mean, he was his father's, what, you know, whatever his title right, but was. They, but, but they might question her, hey, what are you doing? You know, you know what I mean? That, well, she was at Fox at the time when right. they started dating. But she wasn't the White House press and a reporter from Vanity Fair. And just imagine the scenario of somebody working under that administration, what it would, the reporting would be like. Everybody who's watching CNN or MSNBC tonight, just let me know if you see this reported on tonight. I'll take a guess and say probably not. But Joe, I'll fire you on the spot. from Studio 6B. 17 past the hour on a Friday night. So there's... um, I saw Chuck Schumer, by the way, before I get onto this story um, from Daniel Horowitz. Chuck Schumer announced right at the end of the proceedings tonight that um, the Congressional Gold Medal will be awarded to Capitol Police Officer Eugene Goodman. Um, And good for him. And he should be. And he was a heroic on the day of the Capitol on the 6th, um, basically getting Mitt Romney out of, out of harm's way and a couple others, I believe. He was kind of all over the, uh, the Capitol. So he's getting the Congressional Gold Medal. And I don't want to be a Debbie Downer on that. That separately is fantastic, and he's a hero, and, and he should get it. And congratulations, and that's fantastic. But to hear Chuck Schumer... Almost um, the way he was talking about him, all I could think about was Chuck Schumer and his party all summer long. It's good to know that he supports now. He's off for in getting emotional about the Capitol Police and police officers in general. Because all summer, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, James Clyburn, and the majority of their party were trashing police officers, calling for all of their departments to be defunded, calling for all of their departments to be rethought, calling for policing all over the country to be rethought, and trashing law enforcement as a whole. Trashing it, eviscerating it, not just kind of, calling for the end. Well, we're going we're gonna to send them. Um, Social workers out. They, they, they can do. The Minneapolis board, community, whatever they were, voted on getting rid of the entire police department. 
Places like New York took a billion dollars out of the budget of these police officers and these police departments all over the country. We saw this in all these blue cities run by these blue governors. Oh, but Chuck Schumer today is. It's hard. It's, you know, it's just hard to listen to, to think and just not think you're just so hypocritical and phony. As you trashed police officers, as Nancy Pelosi called them stormtroopers, as the president sent federal, these same federal law enforcement officers, they were called stormtroopers from Nancy Pelosi. They were called stormtroopers from James Clyburn. You can go through the tapes and find Chuck Schumer and all these Democrats trashing these officers. So it's just a little rich to hear Chuck Schumer today. Granted, it was a fantastic moment, bipartisan, both standing ovation for this gentleman, and, and good for him, and of course he deserves, it's, it's not to rain on that parade at all, but it's just so rich to hear Chuck Schumer, of all people, talk about all oh, his big support for police officers all of a sudden. So anyways, all right, let's do some news. I still haven't gotten to the Lincoln Project, but that's fine. (laughs) Do you want to do that now? Or should we go into uh, Governor Cuomo again? The Lincoln Project, not enough bad things can come to all of them. Let's just, I'll just put it in the easy terms. Steve Schmidt tonight decides to resign because the whole thing's falling apart. This guy Weaver was literally a, a sexual predator. They all knew about it for sure. Um, and Steve Schmidt tonight writes this resignation letter and all of a sudden now becomes the victim. These guys raise hundreds of millions of dollars. And man, if someone doesn't look into what they did with it, I, I mean, I don't know if this isn't something to look into. I, I don't know what is other than Hunter Biden. This has got to be right up there. These guys, the most vile, vicious, biggest a-holes ever walk in the earth are the Lincoln Project. And I heard that one, this one guy, Kurt Bedella, whatever his name is, on MSNBC, I think it was yesterday, talking about the Republican Party and, and again, just trying to talk about the president, you know, just blaming the president for all of this stuff, making it sound like the Democrats brought any evidence through this whole thing, which they didn't, of course trashing the republican party as basically the uh, 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 uh the party of um I, I forget the term he used it's so vile i don't want to get it wrong i'll look up the quote but he, here's an he's another lincoln project guy where is he today anybody know i noticed on his twitter he's got his lincoln project stuff's all gone of course but these guys that the rick wilson he used to put a bullet and someone's still got to put a bullet in Trump's head. That was him. He's the one that goes on Don Lemon, yucking it up with Don Lemon about how stupid Trump supporters are. These guys are the biggest a-holes of a-holes, and I apologize for my language, <laughs> but it's just the damn truth. What a bunch of schmucks, all of them, and here they are. They're, they're, their guy is, is uh, trying to text and email these kid, these guys to take them out to try to literally being a sexual predator to all these guys think they're going on job interviews and this tries trying this guy's trying to get in their pants 
You're going to tell me Steve Schmidt didn't know about it? Let's see if Nicole Wallace covers it tonight on MSNBC. Doubtful. How about Joy Reid? She used to love to have him on. They call the president Hitler, call his family Nazis, all that. Oh, they love that over there. Wonder if they'll comment on it tonight. Probably not. There's two articles I wanted to get to, but it doesn't matter because the whole thing's going down. And now they just, if, if there's a God in heaven, they'll be investigated and we'll find out where all the money went. And I guarantee you, it wasn't to try to make nice, slick commercials to get rid of Susan Collins, Lindsey Graham, which they failed at. So they're pathetic at what they even try to do, too. But where'd the money go? A couple hundred million, as far as I could guess. It's probably more. So there's two articles. One of them, shockingly, is in AP. How a leading anti-Trump group ignored a crisis in its ranks. And then one from today, from some outfit called the 19th News, Inside the Lincoln Project's toxic workplace, interviews with nearly two dozen people with knowledge of the group's working workings reveal a culture of infighting, sexist language, and disparate treatment by Amanda Becker, which maybe we'll get to this Monday or Tuesday because I could talk about the Lincoln Project uh, really every day for the rest of my life if we could trash them. <laughs> And like I said, this couldn't happen to a nicer group of guys, all four of them. Well, not only men, there were a lot of women involved in the leadership of uh, the Lincoln Project as well. Uh, a woman by the name of Jennifer Horn, as a matter of fact. George Conway had to go on Twitter yesterday and say, um, guys, <laughs> yeah, I think I what that. you just posted, you broke federal <laughs> law, so it really should be taken down. And I mean, that's how you, when, when you lose George Conway, you know things are... Um, Things are on the downhill slide. And I read you Megan McCain, what she said. But uh, this article, I'll post both of these articles with big red. Um, so you don't miss them so you can read it because. How they've acted over all the years, these years and how they trashed. The most vile talk about incitement. It's just laughable. What we're going through now, and you look at what some of these guys have said about the former president and his family and his wife and his kids and his grandkids, called them everything you could imagine. So I just could not be happier. I want to do a dance that this is uh, all coming apart for the Lincoln Project. And now hopefully there'll be an investigation. That's the only thing that could make it better is that we start seeing them all in a bunch of orange jumpsuits with numbers on the back. That's, that would make it better.
Live from uh, Studio 6B on Real America's Voice. Again, thank you for joining us. Hey, let's jump into some news, shall we? Let's talk about uh, everyone's favorite uh, <laughs> favorite governor, New oh, York yeah. Governor Andrew Cuomo. Turns out, uh, with all the uh, controversy swirling around, now the New York Democrats, in a rare reprimand of Governor Andrew Cuomo, are demanding that the Democratic leader be stripped of his emergency coronavirus powers in response to his administration's cover-up of the coronavirus nursing home death scandal. Cuomo, who has generally enjoyed unmitigated praise from the establishment media and fellow Democrats throughout the Chinese coronavirus pandemic, is now facing backlash from Democratic state senators following an admission from Melissa DeRosa, New York secretary to the governor, who privately admitted that the administration covered up nursing home death data that we've spoken about in the past, uh, just last night, as a matter of fact, over fears of a federal probe under the Trump administration. Fourteen lawmakers prepared a statement asserting that it is now clear that the expanded emergency powers granted to the governor are no longer appropriate. Without exception, they said the New York State Constitution calls for the legislature to govern as a co-equal branch of government. While the executive's authority to issue directives is due to expire on April 30th, we urge the Senate to advance and adopt a repeal as expeditiously as possible, they said. The state senators include Senators Alessandra, Alessandra Biaghi, Jabari Brisport, Samra Bauk, Jeremy Cooney, Andrew Gennardis, Robert Jackson, John Liu, John, and the list goes on and on. There's a lot of Democrats coming out against the governor. Senate Majority Leader Andrea Stewart, she's a Democrat as well. Andrea Stewart Cousins of Yonkers also issued a warning to the governor, cautioning that lawmakers will be discussing next steps as a conference. Crucial information should never be withheld from entities that are empowered to pursue oversight, Stuart Cousins said. The statement follows the New York Post Thursday report revealing the private call between DeRosa and state lawmakers, wherein she admitted that the administration withheld that nursing home data over concerns of a federal investigation. I saw Janice Dean today <clears throat> posted a tweet that just said, it's happening. And um, she's been a vocal critic of the governor, and the governor dismissed her, of course, as he does with a lot of things because he thinks he's better and above everything. And um, dismissed her as, you know, almost kind of like one of these, it's just stick to doing weather, honey. Yeah. You know, one of those deals. Right. And she said something today. Number one, she said it's happening, which I feel happy for her. That maybe she gets some, feels like she gets some vindication here. But also, uh, she said, uh, well, maybe it seems like I'm a little bit more reliable on information than just the weather. Taking a shot at when he <laughs> when he basically took a shot at her. Right. And thinking about this whole thing with Cuomo, if you remember at the time, it was it was um, on Levin's show that this really broke. He really broke it because he got that call, I think on March 28th, from a emergency. Um, no, it was. I think it was a nursing a nurse home. Center. At a right. nursing home, a nurse who was actively working in a home and said. I just got a directive from the governor. And he, and, and, he, and he said to her, well, no, come on. Well, what are you talking about? And she said, I'm telling you, I'm holding it in front of me. And she read it. And he immediately responded by saying, why would he do this? And thinking back on it, 
if you remember at the time, um, the president, after everybody told us he could never get it there in time, got the, the, uh, the ship into the harbor, one on the west coast, one on the east coast. And that ship, for the most part, was completely empty the whole time it was there. And I think it had like a thousand beds. Yeah. I think they said yeah. they, could, they could accommodate. And you also had the, the hospital they put together in Central Park that was completely empty as well. And we asked a question throughout all of this, and I don't think it's ever been answered. Why would the governor, if he's got COVID patients leaving the hospital, not just send them there instead of sending them? Now, maybe, maybe there was too many. To, maybe they had more than 1,000. I, I again, I don't know the reason. That's why I'm asking the question. Why was the ship not used? Why send them back into the long-term nursing facility? knowing that this is the most vulnerable population. Uh, it's a question that I don't think has ever been answered. Why didn't he utilize the ship? Why didn't he utilize the Javits Center was pretty much empty too. They set yeah. all that up and tore it all down. So they had places to put people. Or to send them to keep them, you know, I, I guess at the time, you know, quote unquote quarantined, which is what you're supposed to do with the sick people is kind of quarantine them away from the healthy people. But that didn't happen here. Uh, the revelation also prompted backlash from prominent New York lawmakers as well, including representatives Elise Stefanik and Lee Zeldin, both of whom called for a Department of Justice investigation. Governor Cuomo, the secretary to the governor and his senior team must be prosecuted immediately, both by the attorney general of New York State and the U.S. Department of Justice, Stefanik said in a statement. DOJ needs to immediately open an obstruction of justice investigation into Governor Cuomo and his administration, Zeldin added on Thursday evening. Uh, over 9,000 recovering coronavirus patients, as we all know now, were sent to New York nursing homes and long-term care facilities following the Cuomo administration's controversial March 25th directive requiring the facilities to accept such patients, according to the AP. Coronavirus-related deaths in New York nursing homes and long-term care facilities is nearing 15,000, up from the 8,500 previously disclosed. And of course, just last week, we talked about uh, New York Attorney General Letita James releasing the damning report revealing a larger number of nursing home uh, residents died from COVID-19 than were initially reported in the data. Yeah. Um, just looking on social media, see the, the, the calls for... Um, here's how you can put today in perspective. Cuomo now is um, feeling the heat. Newsom, they have enough signatures, I believe, to possibly get rid of, um, at least go to a runoff, see if they can get uh, rid of him in a recall. Wow. Right. Uh, the Lincoln Project is pretty much underwater, hopefully going to get investigated. So today's not a bad day. No. Uh, on, on, on the political front. And the president's... Attorneys just just took it to the um, the house managers, who again you could rope off and charge admission to come see. That's how just strange they are. Yeah, so. and, and and it's interesting you mentioned California because they're recalling Governor Newsom. You remember last recall they had. California ended up with uh, Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, that was what's his name was uh, recalled. Gray Davis. Gray Davis. Yeah. They had yeah. that happen, and, and and but it's amazing, you know. 
speaking of that, I heard our own Amanda Head uh, this afternoon bring this up. It's, it's just amazing that Gavin Newsom's approval rating in California is hovering around 48%. It's like when you look at the Blasios or Cuomo's. Maybe now, maybe finally now. But I said this a couple weeks ago. If Cuomo ran right now, he'd get reelected in a landslide. <laughs> Newsom's the same thing. I heard her say, you know, his, the difference between him and Gray uh, Davis was um, his approval rating is about 48%, much higher than his was. And I'm thinking to myself, how is that possible? I, I have friends in California. I have business people in California. Most of them, if I had to guess, not that I ask, are probably pretty liberal. They all say it's a disaster. And, of course, Biden wants to turn the country into California and New York. Right. He thinks California is a model for the country. But how does this guy have 48% approval in that state? How? Uh, you know what? Maybe it's, uh, again, it's not who you vote for. It's who counts the votes. You know? What's the questions being asked? Who's controlling the, uh, the quote-unquote data on that? Well, another interesting thing I noticed about that uh, recall of uh, Gray Davis was the guy who came in third in trying to replace him is a guy that uh, really, really stood out to us the last, uh, last couple months, Tom McClintock. He actually ended up third in that race for that seat after uh, Gray Davis was recalled. So he's still, he's still pretty active, pretty popular. To think and, about how California has changed. I mean, as, as good as McClintock, I think, is, I, I, mean, I don't know if he would be a good governor or not, or if he would even want it to be, but right. um, he certainly is he's good on the House floor when he speaks. But to think about that one of our most prized um, presidents in the last 50 years, Ronald Reagan, served eight years, came from California, to think about California – and what California used to be like and how it is now, yeah. that a Republican could never win. I mean, you can win some local races. I guess there's pockets of California, obviously. But you think about California and what California gives us as far as leadership. Nancy Pelosi, Eric Swalwell. I mean, do I need to go any farther? Ted Lou. Ted Lou. I mean, just you can just go down the list of California. And it's just that this can't be the best you've got. It just can't be the best you've got. Yeah. And again, I, I remember growing up that California was the shining light. You know what I mean? In terms of uh, you always heard about their, their wonderful high schools and the kids were all, you know, just scoring great on tests and the schools were great and everything was great. And, and you, you know, Reagan, of course, came from there and he actually won California. So it, it tells you a lot about how things have changed and how the Democrats have basically destroyed that state. And now they want to bring it to your house. Diane Feinstein. I mean, just Feinstein and Swalwell wouldn't know a Chinese spy if it, <laughs> if it drove their limo or slept with them. All right, what else, Rick? Uh, well, let's see. Nearly 50% of voters say politicians should vote in line with their constituents instead of their own personal views. This coming from... Uh, John Solomon's JustTheNews.com uh, asked if U.S. representatives should vote for policies they prefer or if they should vote uh, to reflect the views of their constituents. 45 percent. It's amazing. Only 45 percent said politicians should opt for the views of those who elected them. 
Just 33% said they should vote for the policies they prefer. And again, this was another poll done by Just the News Daily poll with Scott Rasmussen. The issue rose to the political forefront in recent days because of the high-profile incident involving Wyoming's rep, Representative Liz Cheney, the third highest-ranking House member, voting to impeach President Trump. Of course, many other constituents in the red-leaning state have said her have said her vote was not representative of their position on the matter. So that's kind of what spurred this uh, this poll to be done. And and you know, it, you always wonder. It's like, well, why why did my guy you know vote for this or vote for that? It's like, what the heck are they doing? That's not how. That's not what we elected them for. Be interesting to get some um, insight from Kevin McCarthy if he ever takes some questions from somebody who's willing to ask him on this Liz Cheney vote, why it was done in secret, and some things about that. Of course, she couldn't get elected, it seems, dog catcher right now out there in Wyoming. But um, I don't know. There's just a lot of questions about the Republican Party. Yeah. I see Nikki Haley today. Another one. Just another one. Just another one just looking for the opportunity. Till the hour. I like this song, friend. What's this one called? Uh, the name of this is a it's called "Once I Was a Cat." <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, you know who could have used this? <laughs> I'm not a cat. <laughs> Gee, do we still have that? Roll it if we do. Classic. <laughs> Yeah. I believe you have a filter turned on in the video settings. Uh, you might want to. Uh, take, take we're a trying. To, we're tr- can you hear me, Judge? I can hear you. I think it's a filter. It, in the- it is, and I don't know how to remove it. I've got my assistant here. She's trying to, but uh, I'm prepared to go forward with it. <laughs> yeah. I'm here live. It's not. I'm not a cat. Thank you. The judge looks. Right. I can. I can see that. <laughs> I know he could have used that song too. I once was a cat. I, I loved his little ah uh, as he's struggling with it. Oh, I'm not a cat. It's my favorite part. Oh, thanks. We weren't sure. All right, let's do sports. Rick Amorati's here. What's going on, pal? That's a tough one to follow. All right, Big D, NCAA <laughs> Men's Basketball Division One. Just one game in action tonight. We have Nebraska right now leading uh, Illinois early. It's 30-22. to 22. Illinois is number six, so they're, they've got a lot at stake. They want to keep winning. So they're uh, at first half, four minutes to go, so a little early there. What team and is that? Illinois. Illinois. Yeah, the S is silent, Rick. <laughs> uh, NHL action. Bruins over the Rangers, one nothing, And the Blues lead the Coyotes, one nothing. That's at the end of first. 
and a NBA action. We have the uh, the next next big D Day one tonight one oh nine ninety one. They're going to be rolling up the charts. Not They're bad. not going to do anything. <laughs> Julius Randle twenty four points. I may have to put a bet on that one. Uh, and the Hornets over the Timberwolves one twenty to one fourteen. Right now, the uh, Spurs leading the Hawks one sixteen to eighty five. Mavericks lead the Pelicans one oh eight one oh one. And the Clippers, 90, Bulls, 78. That's uh, also in the third. Most of these games are late, Big D. Uh, in the fourth right now, good game. Uh, uh, Pistons leading the Celtics, 77-72. Uh, Jazz over the Bucks, 41-35 in the second. Nuggets trail the Thunder, 34-20. Cavaliers trail Blazers, Magic Kings, and Grizzly Lakers all tip off at 10 p.m. tonight. Ravens' Jimmy Smith family safe after robbery at gunpoint. Uh, Zach Wasnick for Yard Barker reported on this. Baltimore Ravens cornerback Jimmy Smith and his family endured a frightening ordeal this past Tuesday. According to the Athletics' Jeff Zrybeck, Smith and his family were robbed at gunpoint after being followed from the Los Angeles International Airport to their hotel on Tuesday. Zrybeck tweeted at 3 p.m. today, Scary situation Tuesday night involving Ravens veteran cornerback Jimmy Smith. He and his family were followed from Lax Airport to their hotel where they were robbed at gunpoint. Smith and his family weren't hurt. Smith has been uh, in communication with the team about the incident. The Ravens released a statement today. We are aware of the situation involving Jimmy Smith. We have spoken with Jimmy. He and his family are safe. So thank goodness that uh, wasn't something uh, really bad to read about. What a shame. Yeah, pretty scary. Um, Absolutely. And uh, pro bull riders, they're back in back in action, Big D, after a couple of uh, two-month layoff after the holidays. Uh, the Unleashed the Beast, Del Rio, Texas, this weekend, Val Verde County Fairgrounds. Uh, we're going to be kicking off tomorrow at 2 p.m. Central Time. Uh, and way to watch, you'll be able to watch it on CBS Sports tomorrow night, round one, at 10 p.m. Check your local listings. And then again at noon, Unleash the Beast in Del Rio, Texas. It'll be the 15 out of 15 bucking battle. So bull riding is back in action. Rodeo, let it roll. Um, also tomorrow is the Greg Orr Classics uh, presents the Four States PBR Shootout. That's in Texarkana, Arkansas, the Four States Fairground. That'll kick off tomorrow night at 7 p.m. So our rodeo fans, we're going to have plenty to report about on Monday. And heading to a land down under, Serena Williams outlast teen Anastasia Potapova to advance at the Australian Open. Naomi Osaka also cruises. Williams overcame erratic strokes in two set points to beat Anastasia uh, 7-6-5-6-2 on Friday and advanced to the fourth round. Williams, 39, is again seeking to tie Margaret Court's record of 24 Grand Slam titles. Williams won her 23rd at the 2017 Australian Open, so she's looking to win that one again. Another another, uh, woman's third-round play, Naomi Osaka, is back in the fourth round of the Australian Open for the first time since her title run in 2019. Osaka overcame 28 unforced errors and saved six of seven breakpoints she faced in a 6-3, 6-2 win over 27th-seater Ons Jabour of Tunisia on Friday. Novak Jokovic, the world number one and eight-time Australian Open champion, could barely walk without grimacing after apparently tearing a muscle in the third set, but battled with everything he had to hold off Fritz. 7-6-6-4-3-6-4-6-6-2. That was a battle. After the final point, he released a scream that echoed around the vacant stadium. Probably could be heard throughout Australia as well. And Dominic Thiem battled back from two sets down to beat Nick Grigos 4-6-4-6-6-3-4-6-4-6-4 and secure a place among the last 
16 in the Australian Open for the fourth time in five years. So we'll have an update on that as well. And last but not least, Big D, big night tomorrow night, UFC 258. Mm-hmm. Usman versus Burns. Uh, the Apex, UFC Apex in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. That'll be at 10 o'clock, the main card. There's a dozen matches scheduled for tomorrow evening, kicking off at 6 p.m. on ESPN+, Plus, working its way through ESPN, and then the big match at 10 o'clock. Um, Usman, who holds the championship belt, is 17-1-0. He's minus 270, big D, if you're going to lay any money. Though, way too Kings. much. Way yeah, right. too much. That's a lot of value on Burns. Yeah, that get- is a – let me tell you, I'm no – paid spokesman for the UFC, that is worth whatever they're charging for it because that is going to be a fantastic fight. Yep. Usman is a killer, and so is Burns. And they are both jacked, strong, could end it with one punch at any time, and they're both on a roll. And that's going to – and that's a fantastic fight. I don't it know is. about the rest of the card. You said how many fights? There's a dozen fights, but uh, no big names. Couple, a couple of ladies fighting, but uh, yeah, dozen bouts, uh, scheduled bouts anyway. But and, the pay per view uh, is it pay per view? It's pay per view is at ten o'clock. But but that's pre- not that's the, only five for yeah, six. Yeah, the prelims, fights. like I said, yeah. prelims prelims start at uh, ESPN Plus at six thirty. You can tune on. Big okay. day. you're gonna have fighting right. For, you got six hours of uh, of fighting. Well, and, I'll start. I won't watch till ten. Yeah, Gilbert Burns at nineteen and three. Is plus two twenty, and I got to tell you, it's a little bad blood between them. They have a long history. They sparred together, they trained together, and uh, worked out at the same gym. Usman left and went to a new team, and uh, and there's a little bit of action. So I, I'm with you, Big D. It's going to be a big one. Good fight. I'll be waiting till about that fight. will probably go at eleven thirty twelve. I'll yeah. I'll wait till eleven forty five, and then take Burns at probably closer to plus two fifty, two eighty. Wow. I'll bet the money will come in on Usman as they get closer to the fight, and Burns will be plus two fifty or more by the time the fight. Rolls around, and that's that's way too much value on a guy. It's you can't pass that up because he could absolutely win that fight. He could knock him out in the first round. They yep. both could get knock, knocked out. Yep, that's a fantastic him, fight. I'll keep him posted at Slick Rick Sports. Check me out on Twitter, and Happy Valentine's to all of LFSB <laughs> fans. We love. Okay, you. very good, Rick. Um, <laughs> if you can follow Rick at, at Slick Rick Sports on Twitter, How, what's the number up to, Rick? Uh, you know what? I lost a lot of followers after that whole takedown with Twitter, but I'm back up around 500, Big D. Okay. I like to right. get it up a little higher, but we'll work on it. Okay. Well, if you haven't followed Rick yet, go to Twitter right now. I mean, you, I can't tell you how many people write me and comment on Rick. Almost every email I get has some addendum. Oh, by the way, I love Rick. Oh, by the way, Rick's <laughs> – oh, by the way, Rick. It's almost Thank everyone. You. Thank you. So we got to get the – I mean, 500 – that's not nearly enough. We got to no. get the number up. All of you who have been emailing me right now, go to Twitter and follow at Slick Rick Sports. If anybody's still on Twitter. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's, a That's, true. That's a good point. That could be a problem. Yeah, I, I moved over to Gab, so find me over there. Uh, I just want to close with this, an example of the emails I get all, all the right. time from Karen in Boise, Idaho. She says, in a day filled with so much density of news and information, after a week of the same, the minute I saw your three faces on the screen at the beginning of tonight's show, I finally smiled and felt a huge weight lifted off of me. Thank you so much for this show. I look forward to it every single evening. Oh, wow. As always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines protecting us. Thanks, everybody on the show. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. Thanks to Real America's Voice. But most of all, thanks to you, the Live from Studio 6B audience. Have a great weekend. Happy Valentine's Day. We will see you Monday night, 8 p.m. right here, Real America's Voice. We'll see you then.